covering all your favorite parts of the 50-yard fight. This is the Inside the Walls podcast with Zach Heilman and Jim Bernier. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, wherever you're from. If you came here for arena football, you've come to the right place. Welcome into the Inside the Walls podcast, our Wednesday rewind of all things National Arena League. I'm Zach Kyleman in here riding solo for this edition. Unfortunately, due to the holiday and some uh, other complications on Jim's end, he will not be here for this edition of Wednesday rewind. But that's okay. We can get through this. You, me, whoever else is watching alongside, we'll get this bad boy done. So look. Here's the thing. I'll, I'll give you a little anecdote to start this out, because um, some of you, some of you that might follow me on other projects, you might realize, well, hey, the uh, United States Football League Championship was going on. Weren't you out there? How did you watch these games? How did you keep up with these games? There's no way you did. Well, I'll tell you one thing I did. Uh, I did watch the Saturday uh, evening contests between the Gunslingers and the Albany Empire as well as, of course, the contest between the Columbus Lions and the Carolina Cobras. Yes, I know the Gunslingers and Albany contest. I'm listed out of order, but that's okay. That's okay. I know they played in San Antonio. Excellent crowd out there, by the way. I'll get into that when we talk about the said game. But I also was able to catch you know, Jacksonville and Orlando. Kind of was driving into Canton, Ohio for that. And yeah, I mean, honestly, a little bit more clarity, a few more implications coming up this week. I mean, that's really how it's been all season. I know you, some of you might be getting tired of us saying, oh, this game is crucial. But, but really, I mean, it, it's been impressive as to how close the standings have stayed all season. And another week, another few surprises or at least things that we weren't 100% certain on that have kind of flipped back around to what we were accustomed to at the beginning of the year i'll get into those uh as you, as you know you might be uh, able to tell what i'm implying maybe you don't but we'll get into those with all three of these contests and uh yeah i mean we'll just touch on stuff that i was kind of surprised because i'll tell you i watched the two saturday games i watched with two buddies of mine that haven't watched arena by the way they were really impressed they like the product and i think it's week by week at least lately it's been getting better you know, and I'm talking, I'm talking not only play, I mean, play has been getting better as the years gone with Ironman, but officiating, you can tell it's been improved. It seems like it is, you know, things are getting more down packed than I think it is some others, maybe not, but I think it is improving a little bit. So we'll dive into all these, into these aspects. We'll go game by game and, uh, yeah, it's Wednesday rewind soul edition, baby. So, uh, I'm going to mix this bad boy up. Let's kick it. So first things first, I got to talk about that third straight matchup between the Jacksonville Sharks and the Orlando Predators defensive affair, um, a lot more defensive than I was than I think either me or Jim were expecting both these teams, you know, very much uh, have been able to put up some sort of points Now, credit the Predators. The biggest question mark coming into the night was, OK, who's going to be starting at quarterback? We had talked about Matt Parsons, Jabari Dunham. And Parsons was the one that went out there and started, which there, which honestly I can, I can understand, you know, he had been with the team. He's been with the team on previous occasions. You know, he is, he's been under, of course, Ben Bennett's system, but you know, again, Jeff Higgins was working on that staff. So makes sense. That one I completely understand. And you know what? It was a close game. Predators and sharks went back and forth for a decent chunk of this contest. The fourth quarter comes along. And things just kind of slow down. Both teams really locked down after the Sharks went ahead. You have both sides getting one pick a piece. And then the Preds really come up with, I guess, maybe not the final drive, but they at least have 
what could have been at that point with how defensive it was, maybe the possible final scoring drive. And so, you know, here they are, the Predators are at their own three-yard line looking to punch it in. It's a fourth and one call. And sure enough, Parsons tries to hand off to Desmond Maxwell. The exchange gets messed up. And wouldn't you know it, the Sharks come on top of it. And all thanks, of course, to Quavion Hicks, who seals the win essentially for the Sharks. Beyond beyond that, the Sharks just kind of milked away the clock after that point. Um, for the Predators, I mean, they're not, it's not all lost based on the rest of the weekend's results, but one does wonder how much farther they can really go. Um, I know that, you know, honestly, one thing that was nice to see about this game, because I was wondering, you know, how the season's going, you know, with a team kind of down in the lower ranks of the uh, standings, you wonder how attendance will fare, you know, how the fan base will go. And that, there was no issues with that at all. And Orlando has been doing great at getting crowds. And from what I understand, they hit over, I believe, 8,000 in the building, which if that's the case, wow, kudos to you guys. And, and you know, of course, shark, Sharks fans, they travel well. But, I mean, it looked like it was packed to the brim with fans in the stands for that evening. So that was nice to see. Um, in terms of Matt Parsons, you know, he did, you know, he was able to guide the offense as needed. As needed, you know, of course, uh, crucial interception there in the fourth quarter, you know, flipping things credit, you know, the <laughs> Josh Jenkins being Josh Jenkins, you know, did help flip that script again by picking off Arvell Nelson. As we've stated before, Nelson is prone usually to at least one turnover a game. It's not, it's generally, that is how the trend goes. He usually gives up at least one turnover. Doesn't always blow. doesn't always become the result of a loss. Uh, it just, it's just how it is. You know, uh, sometimes you get a bit more of a gunslinger. Sometimes you try and throw it up there, you know, and Arvell is very much the mobile QB. It does play hero ball every now and then, but still has been an upgrade for them all season. Um, for the Sharks, one thing that's been a nice trend defensively, they've been starting to look a lot better than they have in, in recent weeks than they were at the beginning of the season. That's something you hope they keep progressing at as the playoffs draw nearer and nearer. Because right now it is, it is really, it's congested still in the standings for everyone, quite frankly. But I'm going to be honest with you, Jacksonville to me, now I could be wrong with this. And I, I know Jim, Jim could be, could be too, but I would, I'm going to venture that they will clinch and that they're going to be in the playoffs. Um, they do, you know, they do have, of course, the Cobras coming up here for two of their last three meetings. So again, that does loom but I do see him splitting. I think the wild card game is going to be against the gunslingers. Honestly, um, we'll see how that goes. I, and I, I think that's just, uh, you know, San Antonio, they've been, they've been definitely, <laughs> they've been scrappy. They've been getting wins, you know, credit as we talk, we'll talk this week. They, it's their first loss after a three game winning streak. So, you know, we'll touch on that, but, you know, I do think for the sharks, you know, defensively, those are good signs for a well-rounded arena team, you know, it's not generally, you know, 37, 34 scores. That's pretty low in this brand of football. So, um, you know, hopefully, hopefully uh, they'll pick some things up. Kudos to the Orlando Predators defense, by the way, you know, slowing down the sharks and for the most part, pretty much playing a pretty well-rounded game across the board on all facets. Just couldn't finish in the end. That's the thing, you know, sloppy mistakes and uh, a few, a few non-clutch plays has been unfortunately the Orlando way this season. And, you know, you hope you hope it gets better next year, next year for Higgins and company. There's still, there's still a chance. I will put that. I will put that. And they, there is a shot for the predators still, if they want 
Thing is, though, final two contests are going to be against Albany and Columbus. That that's that's tough competition to keep yourself in the playoff picture. But never say never. Things could change. I'm just saying it's kind of a tough road ahead for the Preds if you are going to see that. And I think a lot of it all hinges on, of course, what the two teams above them do. And credit, you know, they lost, but the two teams that they have, the teams that they are chasing right now also lost this week. And we'll get into that into one of those teams next as we head on down to good old San Antonio to talk about the competition that took place on Saturday in the Freeman Coliseum. Next up on the docket of teams competing this week, it was the Gunslingers once again hosting the Albany Empire. And this time the tables did turn. The Empire did walk away splitting the season series one and one with the San Antonio Gunslingers. Something that happened in the first matchup. The Gunslingers really just hit the gas pedal and kind of ran away with it. Um, Albany really didn't have an answer early on in the contest for what San Antonio was throwing their way. And they did eventually try and play a little catch up, uh, caught the gunslingers off guard a little bit in the second half. Uh, remember, Sam Castronova was pulled in the first half for a short spell for Warren Smith, and then he swapped back in later on. But this time, um, look, I- I'm going to I'll be frank again. I said it last week. I'll say it again. Damon Ware's offense is clicking on all cylinders. They have uh, found the ma- the magic touch, if you will, uh, the Midas touch, I guess. I- I'm not not 100 percent, but all I'm telling you is is that really uh, Damon Ware's offense has adapted. It has changed for the better here in terms of what is going to be needed for the Albany Empire to continue sustained success. First off, again, what do they do really well? Sam's getting, is looking down the field. He's finding multiple targets. Again, you know, Darius Prince is a versatile target, but if you're getting more, more than just him involved, if you're finding Aaron Washer, if you're finding Dwayne Hollis, you know, Daquan Wade, if he's getting supple, kind of supplemental catches, you know, he's getting some of those short throws and all that, you know, and something else that's opened up their offense, Trayvon Shorts, I'll say it again, the switch to him, you know, he has become a vital Ironman piece for the Albany Empire, doing it in both facets really well, you know, jumping into, of course, his all NAL, NAL scenario as a linebacker, but he's also a good runner. He's really stepped in in a solid role for San Antonio. That offense has changed around over the last two weeks, and people should be, I think, fearing the Albany Empire again. Look, I we had said they have to stop the bleeding two weeks ago, and I know that you know that win streak for the Gunslingers had, uh, of course, had been started because of an Albany Empire win. Albany did, of course, stop the bleeding last week again at home at the MVP Arena against the Columbus Lions. Now they get to go into a bye week. After getting a win, a revenge victory at Freeman Coliseum against the Gunslingers. The Gunslingers, meanwhile, uh, fall down now to three and six. They're not out of the playoff race. Again, it's really, it's pretty tightly packed race still, all things considered, especially now for that fourth seed. But there were a lot, I think that there were a lot of opportunities left on the field by San Antonio. Uh, felt like Robert Kent was getting pressured pretty significantly, even without Brandon Cisse or Nick Hag or Nick Hag on. The other side, uh, it felt like that Albany was, has been able to get solid pass rush in this contest. Something else is that, you know, I know there were some calls on the broadcast that were that did appear to be borderline pass interference or holdings, but that secondary for Albany did hold up. Marvin Ross, he is uh, 
had a quick adjustment period and he is back at his full his full strength at his a game right now he's been playing at a top level um and really like i said this defense for the empire has made has made some strides but offensively i really think it's where albany has stepped up castronova is looking like what he was early on in the season you know he's doing it all he's doing it with his legs he's throwing accurately and consistently some of these throws have been really nice um and if like i said if you're anyone else in the league you know you can't sleep on the empire now you know, credit folks will still say they had those two losses, the Cobras, but Hey, you know, with this adjusted offense, and I didn't think they were really, they weren't really running this against Carolina. You know, that's, that's something you gotta watch out for. Um, of course, proof is in the pudding. Still gotta see if we'll play them again, if they'll play them again, they don't play them again this year, but, or at least in the regular season, could play in the postseason. We'll find out. But in terms of the empire, uh, things have seemed to switch in the right direction. And again, kudos to Damon Ware and, you know, Tom and awesome company, for finding what appears to be that missing piece of the puzzle. San Antonio, they're going to have some crucial matchups coming up starting next week. And I think really their matchup against Columbus is going to, I, I think now it, it's kind of the do or die in terms of that playoff, those playoff implications. You know, like I, I said, coming into week 11, that whoever won that Empire Gunslingers matchup is going to be the one that goes to the playoffs or out of those two. Um, and I, I not, I'm not saying San Antonio is eliminated. I, I think they're going to fight like hell if they even are. Um, but it is, it is now kind of on the edge there. Um, Columbus is, you know, they got, that's a tough matchup coming up that they're going to have to really, they got to dig one out. Um, they have the tools to do it. Of course, it's just, you got to play a cleaner game. I think that was part of it. They just, it wasn't as clean of a contest as it had been in the recent three victories in that streak, but time will tell. Fred Shaw and his crew will uh, have a week to get ready, and then away we go. Finally on the docket, we have the game that I think some people were wondering in terms of how much impact was the loss for Jonathan Bain. And I'm talking, of course, Columbus going to Carolina. Now, in the first matchup of the season between these two, uh, Columbus hosted the Cobras, and they got boat raced out of the Columbus Civic Center. Uh, sure, there were folks that were missing missing from that contest in terms of coaching staff and, of course, players. Nonetheless, though, uh, Columbus looked like they came to play and they handed Carolina an easy loss, 55 to 28. This time around, though, even with some implications, Carolina and Columbus had a, had a close first half that Carolina just simply blew the doors off the building going through the second half in a trouncing 61 to 36 victory over there in Greensboro at the Greensboro Coliseum. And you know who really had his night? There were two guys that really had nights, and that was Malik Henry and DJ Myers. DJ Myers, my God, he showed up this week on both sides of the ball. Um, definitely, you can say, made the case for Iron Man of the Week for that performance. And then Malik Henry, you know, the question was, you know, he got signed. Um, we had gotten confirmation after the signing, after discussing it on the final walkthrough that, um, Gerard Evans was also on that roster. So it was a little, so a little fuzzy, but we still were leaning Malik Henry. Malik Henry did start Cobra fans, of course, had their own words about Malik. And we, the big question was, you know, will he, we take advantage of a, the diverse receiving core that he has at his disposal B, will he find those routes and let his receivers work underneath or will he be an accurate downfield passer? And he kind of got a mix of both. Honestly, he, I was really impressed with him. You know, I'm not saying, I'm not saying I wasn't going to be, but 
that was one of his best performances of the year was him stepping in in Carolina. And you got to give kudos to coach resin company for picking him up, plugging him in and having him ready to go. Cause that was one that I think a lot of people were using as a litmus test to see, okay, how far down the ladder are the Carolina Cobras without Jonathan Bain and, you know, Bain's status. It's still a little bit in the air, although it sounds like rumored that it might not be season ending. That it's more of an ankle issue that possibly playoffs are still in play, you know, and with Malik being your backup, not really your starter possibly for the rest of the year. Um, if he plays like that at that level with the crew that he has at his disposal, um, anything's really possible. Uh, that is a nice secure, nice little uh, security blanket, if you will, for someone at that position to carry on through the rest of the season. You got to be happy if you're a Cobras fan. Now for the Lions, two straight weeks, eh, I put three, but two straight weeks, two defensive performances that have been a little suspect uh, to say the least. Uh, I think, you know, Dan- Daniel Smith, you know, started out, started out hot. Cobras kind of slowed them down, honestly. Um, I mean, Columbus, you know, it's two straight losses after a hot turnaround with Daniel Smith. We'll see what they can do this week against the gunslingers. This is, I know we, like I said, we talk about crucial matchups, but you know, I think things just keep flipping around. We keep saying crucial matchups this week. It is really, it is kind of dire because if you look at the, the setup of the standings right now, if we're looking at Columbus's situation in the national arena league, they looked like they were they i mean we're talking about them as number two seed just a few weeks back now if we look at the league standings with some of the slip-ups in this two-game losing streak they now find themselves down at the fourth seed with san antonio and orlando kind of licking their chops i i i think i think if i'm being honest a little bit more san antonio just how that roster is built again they had that slip up but you know if i had to pick between them and orlando right now for who might steal the fourth seed I'm kind of leaning the gunslingers. And so if you're Columbus, you see this, you're like, oh, Jesus, we, you know, something went amiss. You know, I, I think it, it seems like, you know, what was working in that two game streak has flipped. And what, like I said, what's been the surprising drop off really has been in the defensive side of things. You know, it's, it feels like uh, last two games, you know, what, what, what had been or what has been at least the majority of the year, the most stout defense in the NAL has been kind of giving up points in droves. So, uh, you know, I was, I was going to say, uh, name, name, Daniel and, uh, coach Gibson, they're going to have to go back to the drawing board a little bit to see what they can do in the final stretch here for the lions. So they can try and at least lock down this fourth seed and get to the playoffs again. Um, not the easiest road to the last three, uh, especially if you're considering you got to play the Cobras again in Carolina, mind you, uh, you do get this home game this week against the San Antonio Gunslinger. So at least you get that sauce to your last three home games. But credit to those last three games as well. Keep this in mind. They're both against teams you're trying to keep at bay for the playoffs. Now, Orlando, clearly, you know, they still got to win their contest. So let's be honest. They still have to, you know, play other opponents to keep up with the said race. I mean, they got in two weeks, they've got the Albany Empire which is no small task. You know, you still would have to have that for the, you would still have to have them win against Albany to then have the scenario where you can possibly have a win in your end deal for the final week of the season on July 23rd. Um, again, for San Antonio though, this is where I think the opportunities open up because 
you're really, like I said, you, you do get this loss against Albany. You know, you were on a three-game win streak, you know, a little bit of a stake-riddled game. Uh, but you are catching Columbus, you know, who, like I said, last few games, it seems like defensively they've had some lapses. And I do wonder what Fred Shaw might be looking at in terms of the tape to see what they can do to take advantage of Columbus. Again, for the Lions, I, I think it's a it's as simple as, you know, what what can you do on the opposite side on offensively? If you're playing San Antonio, what can you do to keep pace and possibly outrun them? Uh, because lately you've been boat raced in two of your la- in your last two contests uh, on the opposite side of the ball, you know, and I think that that's going like to, it's going to make or break quite frankly. So we'll, we'll see what the lions have in store. Um, the playoff picture is getting as murky as it ever has at this point. Um, and of course there could be other surprises here. Here's something I'll keep in mind too, with this conversation. If you remember last year, all the teams like Carolina in particular, and coach Rez knows this, he, he talks about it with us. All the te- teams in particular, it seems they'll make last minute signings and adjustments to help their boost their playoff chances or to help their championship aspirations. So if I'm looking at Columbus, if I'm looking at San Antonio, if I'm looking at Orlando, you know, specifically those three. Yeah, I- I'm I'm going to lay it out there. I I highly suspect one of these three teams is going to make a massive signing to where they're going to try and put, put themselves in the driver's seat to try and be in that fourth spot. Cause now after this last week's set of contests, it's kind of now separated a little bit credit Jacksonville. Yes. They, they play two extra games than Columbus, you know, so that's obviously part of it. Um, you know, and credit Albany has played an extra game so far against besides Columbus. So things could still pan out differently. You know, I, I, I nothing is fully certain yet. And honestly, I, I might be overconfident. Maybe I'm overconfident to some fans on some things, but I'm just saying, you know, if I'm looking at this race right now, like I said, I'm looking at current at the trends again, you know, if I'm seeing like Albany, Carolina and Jacksonville, how they have been consistent as of the last, as of either last two weeks for the, for the two and three seeded teams, Jacksonville and Albany, or in terms of how Malik Henry helped stabilize those Carolina Cobras, at least in terms of their offense production against the Columbus lions. That's why my confidence meter for those three right now is pretty high. Um, so we're starting to see the it kind of mold back into last year where it's the bottom three teams are competing for one seed again. And so really it's, it's really up to whoever, I think makes the signing the last minute signings that matter the most. And honestly, who can find the most out of their roster right now? Um, can't say I'm definitive and I'll even, it's funny. I'm, I know I, I made the same prediction last week with, uh, you know, San Antonio and Albany, but again, same scenario, I think applies this week with when we talk about the final walkthrough with the gunslingers and Columbus, Honestly, whoever wins that one, I think now makes the playoffs. And I know that's it's like, well, Zach, you just deferred uh, you just deferred that question, that conversation a week. You you now you're now you're saying that San Antonio can still make it. I'm like, well, sure. In a perfect world, if if Columbus had won last week, then San Antonio would have been not gonna lie, they they would have in this scenario, if they lose to Albany and San and Columbus wins, that gap's tight, that gap's a little far out reaching, but now. Now that you have, again, the scenario where you have all three teams in the same boat that are losing in the same boat in the bottom three seeds, 
Now it's kind of a chaotic. Now it's again, still chaotic. So that, that same argument, I think applies this week where whoever comes out of Freeman Coliseum or sorry, whoever comes out of Columbus civic center with a win is probably going to make that playoff spot. Not going to lie. Um, I, 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 and that's just mainly again, those two. And I think that my confidence meter in Orlando is a little on the lesser side of things, but I digress. Maybe again, the predators could surprise me. They could, they could sign some people last minute and give Matt Parsons a more, uh, even more of a fighting chance to pull this thing through and get comfortable late to maybe rally the troops. We'll find out. And we'll talk more about that on the final walkthrough this coming week. Well, folks, that's going to do it for this edition of Wednesday Rewind. Thank you very much for tuning in on this solo journey with me. Don't worry. Jim's going to be back for the final walkthrough on Friday and also for turf talk. So trust me, we will get you guys, my uh, compatriot alongside me for these other shows. But if you want to follow along with us in the meantime, if you want to you know, check out other stuff that we're doing or if you just want to you know keep track of the show be free to subscribe to us or you know follow us if you will follow us on facebook instagram and twitter at at in walls pod again that is at in walls pod also subscribe on our youtube by the way congrats we hit 100 subscribers finally so soon we are going to give away those free tickets to a nal game of your choice that includes a choice if you want for a playoff game now if you want to defer that that's fine uh otherwise though for the remainder of the season we're going to draw a person, one of our subscribers out of well, a hat or out of a choosing software, if you like, and one of you is going to win a ticket to an, to a national arena league game tickets, two tickets. That is just to clarify, you'll get two tickets to a national arena league game of your choice for the season. And yeah, you'll get to experience the, the amazing nature that is arena football in person. So you know, congrats, congrats to those that will win, but Hey, thank you all out there for helping us get to hundred subscribers. As we continue to grow this channel, let's keep on pushing it up. We're actually at 101 subscribers, by the way, but if you want to subscribe to us and keep on building that base for us, and if you want to follow along, by the way, be sure to hit the subscribe button, click the bell, because it's a good buddy of mine says on another show. I do it builds morale for not only you, but also for me too. Until next time, I'm going to say so long, catch you all later. And since Jim's not here, I got to say this. Remember one thing, guys, don't be a jack out of the box. Control what you can in your life and look for what makes things successful for you and not only physically, but mentally. Stay positive, everybody, and catch you next time on our next edition coming up here for Thursday's Turf Talk.